Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for the book of Boba Fett. This beast can feel such things? Rancor are emotionally complex creatures. Welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for the book of Boba Fett, Chapter 3, titled The Streets of Mos Espa, directed by Robert Rodriguez. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so and then come right back in less than 12 Parsecs. But listen, before we're all woken up from our nap by a big angry cookie, I mean Wookie, sorry, my spell check on my, my app here says cookie. <laughs> Let me introduce you to the scum and villainy joining us today. Uh we're we're without our junkyard Jawa. Uh so just joining me today, we got from a, from across the cantina from across the street. You know, sometimes he's saltier than a sarlacc on the sands of Tatooine. He's Kevin, the Clatoonian Wonderkind Hudson. Yeah, now you you said only. Should I take offense to that? <laughs> I think. Well, I I I, I, um, I I meant my lord. Um, uh, uh, how are you, how are you doing, Kevin? How are you I'm doing, doing really doing well, good? thanks. Doing. I well. just I didn't see you come in on the litter, so I wasn't sure if uh, if I should have respected you as much. Ah, uh, no, no, no. I was out uh, riding my really flashy moped with the gang. Oh gosh, oh gosh. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. Um. So I mean, let's get into it. Let's let's uh, let's get into the episode. The episode opens. And uh, we see a Omar monk walking across the exterior of Boba's palace. Uh, yes, I said Boba's palace because it's his palace now. And uh, we cut to see him on his throne as 8D8 explains that under the watchful eye of Bib Fortuna, I love how he says Fortuna, um, <laughs> that Mos Espa was divided amongst three families. The Trandoshans, who hold the city center, the Aqualish, who have the workers' district, and the Clatoonians on the starport and the upper sprawl. Now, this division happened all while lining the pocket of Mayor Mach Shays. Uh, he finishes by reminding Boba that everyone is waiting to see what kind of leader he is. Uh, and this is further proven when, you know, Lortha Peel shows up, played by Stephen Root, uh, who mentions that, you know, no one respects the new daimyo and that a street, a street gang of insolent youths are stealing water from him. <laughs> he tells Lord Fett that if he removes them, he will double his tribute to him. So Boba and Fennec travel down the street to find the gang of cyborgs, uh, and they realize, you know what, these kids just need a job. They just got to get them off the streets, get them a job. Uh, so he offers them a job, and Lortha Peel freaks out, uh, and, and Boba's like, here's, here's 500 credits, uh, and also lower your water costs or move to Moss Eisley. Um, so, Kevin, what did you think of uh, Steve? First of all, let's talk about Steven Root, uh, who shows up apparently in every single show that I've ever watched uh, as Lorth Appeal. What were your initial impressions of that guy? Uh, yeah, no, he's, uh, he's definitely one of the great character actors that we have today, uh, and he's always uh, a fun surprise and treat to see whenever he shows up, and I thought he did a really good job here. Uh, yep. I know at the beginning of the show, I was really excited about Matt Barry being in the show, and I feel yeah. that character's just being so utterly wasted. He's, he's basically just delivering <laughs> yeah. you know, expositional dialogue and not given a personality that would suit the actor sure. himself. And we've seen 
that a droid with a personality can go a long way and become a, an iconic, lovable character. And, you know, and I think what Steven Root does here, though, is he, he does bring a sense of character, but not as over-the-top and cheesy as uh, the Major Domo. Uh, David Pasquese, yes. who we've, we've talked about in the exactly. past couple episodes. And so yeah. Steven Root kind of found that sweet spot right in the middle where it, it was only jarring for a second to see him, but then he mm-hmm. f- felt like a Star Wars character, and I was okay with it. Yeah, he he doesn't come across as he comes across as as f- sort of funny but not silly, right? And I think that's uh we'll get into the the silliness I think a little bit later on in the in this episode. But yeah, I did I did enjoy Steven Root. I think he plays these sorts of characters so well and he's finally in Star Wars and he's he's in everything, so it only makes sense. I do wonder though like based off of where we left him cuz he seemed pretty upset. Like I'm wondering if he comes back, maybe he's like an informant who rats on Boba or something like that. I could I could totally see. Yeah, that. with with a new power sort of flying into town towards the end, uh, Boba crossing him might lead to him sort of yeah helping right. helping the new ar- arrivals sort of get the lay of the land and, and see what's going on. It'll be interesting if Lorth Appeal gets his his comeuppance, gets his money back. I did think um you know the the kids who stole the water the I'm calling them uh, the Breakfast Club uh, Boba's breakfast club (laughs) i thought they were pretty interesting i don't know how to feel about them yet i think you know maybe they uh they just use them as a way to sort of bring in that main female cyborg uh who i know a lot of people on the internet are saying is arden lind from the masters of Kasi video game uh which is an old uh fighting video game um i just I, i do think it's cool that we have more cyborg representation you know with fennec and now with these kids and so, you know, obviously some of the best, most most beloved characters in Star Wars are cyborgs. They have droid parts, whether it's for, you know, their arm or their, you know, for Fennec, it was her body. And you, you even see the moment where Lorotha Peel is like saying these disgusting droid people. And she's like, uh, bro, <laughs> like, look who you're talking to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I did find that, I mean, maybe he was overselling the, the threat of these, Sure. you know, yeah. half man, yeah. half machine. I thought, oh, yeah. this is going to be cool. What a, you know, yeah. and one's got a little eye and one, you know, one's got a... <laughs> a, 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 a go-go gadget foot. Yes, oh, it was Super out. Inspector yeah. Gadget eventually. Yeah. Eh? Um, yeah. Go-go gadget flamethrower. And yeah. so I have to say from the opening scene here, I was not... Um, impressed so much with these these new characters, these kids. I I, I really hope that uh, that you know if it is if it is Arden Lynn and they they kind of use it as a, a stepping off point for her. That's cool. I just don't know if we need all these these kids in, involved. Um, I did want to shout out the Bomar Monk uh, that we saw at the beginning of the episode. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? The uh, it's it's the it's like the spider thing with that the, walks around with the with the red the bowl fluid. Yes. yes. Okay. So that fluid in there that's actually a brain. And so uh, these monks actually originally uh, ran the palace before Jabba took it over. And so they apparently found that the only way to, you know, that they could achieve true enlightenment was to remove their brains from their mortal bodies and put them inside these these droids. And so it's just kind of, it's an interesting parallel because you see the extreme look at, at a cyborg uh, with them versus what we get with the kids and with Fennec and, and what have you. So... Um, it's, I think the show is doing some really interesting things where it's, it's talking about the aspect of technology versus the more natural parts of the world. And we, we sort of see that with how Boba Fett runs things. And Tatooine is the perfect place to, 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 to sort of that. show that. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, because it is will, very much both. Yeah. But I will say, uh, thank you very much for that lesson. You know, it's not just yeah, the man. listeners that are learning things when they tune in. That's great. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, for sure. I, I wanted to bring it up because it's such an interesting design, and I think it's a it's a very Ralph McQuarrie esque thing. Um, which he actually gets another uh, nod later in the episode that we'll 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 shout out as well. Um, I do just want to quickly say before we continue, eighty eight says right off the top. He says after the sail barge disaster, and I thought it was interesting. He calls it a disaster. You know, even though we know what really happened, it's just cool that we're getting these moments from the other side. Right where, and I think that's kind of the the best parts of new Star Wars is getting the ability to see the other perspective uh, from a certain point of view. If well, you know. and even and even Lorth Appeal, you know, he has to bite his tongue several times when talking about <laughs> yeah. what happened to Bib Fortuna and everything. You know that he was ki- uh, died, and, and you know, so right. yeah, yeah, we are yeah, yeah. We, we didn't are usurp him. Perspective, he, yeah. yeah, we're getting this perspective from people who were on Tatooine five years ago, it's and cool. what they thought of everything that happened. Yeah. Yeah, so that, I mean, that, that was definitely an aspect of the episode that, that worked. Uh, let's keep going here. We continue, and after witnessing uh, a big frog eat both a womp rat and a seagull at the same time, uh, kudos to that frog, we get another flashback to segment where we see yet another moment. Uh, you know, Django Fett leaves Camino. We see that, uh, I think we saw it in the previous episode as well, young Boba Fett running through his room and watching him leave. Uh, and then we see, um, you know, we see him leaving the, the Tuscans, the Tuscan camp uh, on Bantha back as he goes to negotiate a missed fee from the Pikes. Uh, the Pikes inform him that they don't want to pay a fee that they already paid to the Kintan Striders, who are those, that biker gang that we saw in the, uh, in the previous two episodes. And Boba Fett says, you know, don't sweat, um, and, and, and he'll, that he'll take care of the problem. Uh, and then he heads back to the Tuscan camps, and it's as if Anakin himself had uh, had <laughs> flown through there um, we discovered that uh, you know pretty much everyone is is dead um, and and you know there's a reason you don't leave your homestead unattended in tattooing because apparently this is what's gonna happen every single time uh, he has a brief funeral for them and then rides off mourning the loss of his found family so Kevin you know <clears throat> were these characters were these all killed off way too soon? Uh, and do you think it was actually the Kintan Striders that, that did it? I absolutely think that it's a shame that after, you know, the sort of development we were getting with these characters, especially yeah. last week, that, you know, they just they get killed off screen and that sort of seems to wrap up their, their chapter. And obviously, I think the bigger story is how that affected Boba, sure. right? And it even parallels to the flashback of his father leaving and then he leaves the the young mm. Tuscan himself. Okay. Yeah. Um, only for for something like this to happen, and you can see how the decisions or the the, the things that a, a, happened to Boba after getting out of the Sarlacc are influencing his decisions as the the new leader here, and and right. and for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. I, I I love that parallel that you brought up of of him, you know, seeing the. I didn't even pick up on that the young the young Tuscan seeing him leave and, and and go away. I I do hope that that kid is still alive. I do hope that at least the you know obviously we saw the the, the leader of the Tuscans uh, dead there, um, but I, I didn't. I don't think we saw the the female Tuscan body necessarily. So I do hope that they're still alive because honestly, and and th- and this is the thing. This is probably my biggest problem, or um, it's the second biggest problem I have with this episode. We'll get to the biggest problem later on, but um, I just, it felt like lazy writing. It felt like a cheap way. I'm not a writer, but it, it did feel like a cheap way to quickly develop Boba Fett's character. And it's like, you you know, I, I know I said I said in last week's episode, I'm like, I want less of the stuff with the Tuscan people, but but honestly... It didn't it, mean that much, uh, that I little. Didn't, yeah. I didn't mean it to go that far. I didn't, I didn't know they were going to kill them off in the next episode. And, you know, they spend maybe about two minutes on the whole thing, and it just feels like... 
I don't know. I thought maybe they were going to show Boba Fett sort of maybe decide, okay, maybe I'm not going to help these kids because he fears what would happen to them if he gets in, gets them involved or something like that. Like, it, it, But it just, it felt very sloppy and it just feels like we're never going to see the Tuscans again. And I, I hope that's not the case. I think they have an opportunity to still give us some resolve with them especially with with his his last words in this episode and and what where we're going for obviously we'll talk about this more in depth but i do think there is a chance to to see if he maybe had a bit bigger impact with the tuscans after this tragedy specifically and this is where this series can become better or worse, you know, per, on an episode by episode basis. You know, there's times where I'm watching the the first two episodes, and and be, and it's almost when I rewatch them that I'm like, these are better because I I I'm not sitting there like, is the next thing going to be a big hook? Is the next thing going to be a big reveal? And so you can kind of marinate in a little bit better. But I don't think we need. I don't think a show to be good should have to be watched twice necessarily for it to be good. Um, hey, listen, though, we got everyone's favorite character from Mando in this episode. A blink or you missed it. Uh, Peli Motto cameo. Uh, Amy Sedaris uh, is in the background. Oh, was of she? I, one missed of these scenes. I missed her. Yeah. I watched yeah. this episode twice. So it yeah. was a blink and you miss it. Yeah, indeed. there's the, the moment when you see the helmets, right? Obviously, Mando walks by those helmets in that season. And uh, it's literally the same moment. Uh, well, it's the it's the beginning of that where they're putting it on there. And, and you see her walking in the background. It's just like. Is is every episode of a show that that character is in? Is that going to be my least favorite episode of every, every show? <laughs> um, but uh, but listen, let's let's keep going here. Uh, the next moment was quite a shock um, as Boba is ripped by the neck from his bactopod uh, by Kersantan, Black Kersantan, uh, and the two tussle about Boba's gonna you know in his underpants and he's all wet and <laughs> sloppery uh, and uh, it was it was really hot uh, and uh, you know we see Boba he's, he's stuck in like a death grip and Kersantan's about to break his back when uh, the breakfast club kids jump out and stab Kersantan and help him out uh, help Boba out and and then Kersantan runs down the stairs and and sort of does what do they call that is that a pile driver you're not you're a wrestling guy is that a is that what that is when he, we took out the Gamorrean guards or whatever Oh, it's a double clothesline. There we go. Wow, double clothesline. So he does a double clothesline, taking those Gamorrean guards down. See, I learned things too, Kevin. Uh, And uh, takes them down the stairs. Uh, And then Fennec runs in the room, pulls the trap door. He falls down, and then she throws like a little knife in his hand, and he's he's in the Rancor pit. So um, we got a we got the big Kersantan fight that we kind of I think we're we're anticipating, we were hoping for. I've been seeing a lot of people though online. They've been complaining that the fight, they're saying it came off a bit clunky. Kevin, what did you think of this uh, this battle? Yeah, it, I think it, it had the potential to be great, and it was just okay. It was uh, fine. I mean, I yeah. don't think Chrysanthemum came off bad because he was no. outnumbered so much by the end of the fight. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just do think it was a bit, even though the fight moved throughout the palace, it still felt almost a bit static and just... Yeah. And just two-dimensional. Um, I will say really quickly, though, Boba Fett is a terrific leader. I mean, the guy basically lives off of this back-to-tank and just got mm-hmm. mauled pretty badly by Chrysanthemum, but still offered it up for his Gamorrean guard uh, to heal yeah. up. What a guy. What a stand-up leader. And it's showing, I think he is really trying to show that, like, no, 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 you don't get it. I'm not the same daimyo that you would expect, uh, you know, to, to his Gamorrean guards. And that's only going to make them ride or die even more. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that Gamorrean guard is going to 
you know, sacrifice himself at some point for Boba because of these actions that are taken. Absolutely. Because of his, his kindness. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought Chrysanthemum was great. Very intimidating. Um, I enjoyed seeing when we see Boba Fett reach for his whistling birds, but then, you know, on, on his wrist gauntlet and then and then he gets the ga- it's actually the gaffy stick that he uses. And again, it's just similar to what we saw in episode two, where it's like that's going to be stronger for him you know, than the technology. And I think he's going to kind of start to go back to maybe his Tuscan roots uh, as we move forward. You know, if he, if he's going to have to fight for this planet, he might as well fight like the people who have occupied it and, and ruled over it the longest. Originally. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think the only part that was clunky for me was uh, when Kersantan fell down the stairs, a little bit teddy bearish. And I know Wookiees in live action. It's got to just... be so hard to do these costumes and, and at least this one looks better than 95% of the ones we saw in, in say, um, an Attack of the Clones or, or yes. whatnot. You know, they, yeah. they, they've done a good job with this character to still make him look intimidating, even if he right. does have a bit of a Three Stooges-esque fall down the stairs. <laughs> like, I'll take that. Honestly, I will take that over a CGI mess of a character with, with fur. Uh, any day, so it wasn't it wasn't too bad, uh, and I liked his I liked his electric brass knuckles. I thought that was super those cool. were dope. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that 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 first punch he threw with them looked punishing. Oh like, my it gosh. was rough. <laughs> like how is that? How is how is it not? How are they not dead? Um, but uh, after a brief meal uh, and really the only meaningful screen time with Fennec this episode, unfortunately, uh, Boba tells her that they need to respond to the attack and send a message to the twins, which lucky for him, they are right outside the palace. How convenient. Uh, so he gets he gets changed uh, out of his whatever he's wearing at the Zen fans uh, and the huts apologize for the attack and inform him that another syndicate was promised this land by the spineless Mayor Makshay's. Uh, and that they want no part in the conflict uh, that will surely come to the planet. Um, and they, they also gift him with a rancor, um, but that wasn't the best part of the gift. It also came with a free Danny Trejo action figure, rancor keeper. Um, before we keep going, Danny Trejo in Star Wars. Uh, w- w- because Is this all because of... Uh, Robert Rodriguez, is that all it was? I think 100% that's (laughs) why we got him here. But again, it was one of those things that after the initial shock wore off, it was like, I can buy him as this character who just, he's like, this is a really cool animal and I want to take care of it and train it (laughs) however you want me to, you know? like Yeah, he kind of has the look about him that like, you know, no offense to Danny Trejo because this this sounds offensive, but for his character... He does kind of look like the guy in Florida that would have like the the bear in his backyard or whatever, right? And he would take care of it. Danny and, Trejo knows know. exactly what he looks like. <laughs> you don't have to worry about offending okay. that man. He's made a right. career off of it. Awesome, awesome. It's not offensive to him. Um, I I do think uh, you know seeing Boba Fett, um, he kind of offers Kersantan back to them, and then they they tell him to keep him, and he sets him free and says no hard feelings again. This is another sort of really cool moment to show how his leadership style works. I just, it felt, that was the part where it sort of felt a little Bad Batch to me in the sense that like for a lot of the Bad Batch, if you if any of our listeners have listened to our Bad Batch Watch Club, a lot of those episodes, they would, they would introduce something and they would take it away the next episode, right? They would, they would introduce a conflict and then it would just be resolved the next episode. And it did feel like that. I get that they were trying to make that point, but I think a little more time with him as a prisoner uh, maybe would have been a little bit better of a decision. Oh, see, I see. I'm not so upset about his sort of quick turnaround and dismissal because I do mm-hmm. think 
that we will see him again this season. I think he might yeah. uh, repay Boba for for sparing his life. I was more upset with how quickly they wrapped up the story with the Huts. Seemingly, mm. you know, yeah. I thought they were almost going to be the big bads of of this this show, and it's almost like they brought them in just for fan service because it's Jabba's palace. We need to see a hut, you know, in the premises. But did they have them leave so abruptly to? really make the pike seem that threatening is that kind of the decision to do that i think honestly i think it's an act i think if it if it isn't an act it sucks that's a very you know that 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 again very similar idea introduce them and then take them away but if it is an act if it is a classic crime movie situation where they offer like a fake gift to throw off our main character uh, to what's really going on, you know, they they say like they, they, at no point in time do they not like. Uh, there's a really interesting point where he says, "Do you do you renounce your your claim or something like that to the to the throne?" And neither of them say yes. They both just say like Tatooine's a, a crappy planet. We don't want it anyways. We don't want to be here when the battle comes or whatever. Like they're they're clearly still invested in getting this throne back and and getting Tatooine back and and. Aspa. So I, I, I do think I do really hope and I, I have a, a strong feeling that, yes, we will see them again. Maybe they're working, you know, with another crime syndicate. Maybe they're working with the Pikes or maybe they're working with Crimson Dawn. And I would love I think it would be incredible if we had them work together in some way. Absolutely. Um, maybe maybe even just in the, in the sense that they're going to go hide in the shadows. It would need to be pretty big shadows to hide them but <laughs> sure um, thing, yeah but yeah. maybe yeah they they're just stepping off to the side and they're gonna let boba and the pikes wage war and then you know just walk in over the remains and and take over yeah. easily rather than having to be involved in the conflict itself but yeah i think obviously you know when you're talking about all these syndicates now if you don't pr- find a way to bring in crimson dawn somehow it's it's a wasted opportunity yeah no for sure and and i just i don't want again this is where like who knows in the next four the next four episodes could be fantastic and really make these three great but i'm just not feeling so far um we get to see danny trejo and boba chilling with the baby rancor um which honestly reminded me so much of like dog dads you know what i mean like like dads who are like sitting there like oh yeah no she's she's great she's uh she's really healthy and uh she's such a great breed and whatever like, and a real good girl she'll be real loyal to you yeah yeah oh yeah yeah no you're gonna you're gonna love it yeah like as if they, they're just like it's he's buying a dog or whatever i don't know i mean as weird as it is to describe a scene where danny trejo is talking about how sweet and sensitive a rancor monster is i mean <laughs> right. never in my life did i think i'd talk <laughs> talk about something like that but this was also probably my favorite scene in the episode just because of the potential it sets up oh yeah yeah i mean we talked about the idea of like again boba fett sort of going back to the idea of of a natural warrior right what's more intimidating than a rancor but boba fett the new daimyo riding the rancor as he he destroys the pike syndicate i think is a really cool scene to be and was and was that a bit of a an easter egg a nod to the christmas special uh the holiday special yeah where you know where he rode 10 times bigger you know so that's kind of a cool uh tie in there for for diehard fans um does it does it make it legit canon now (laughs) uh, well you know i mean maybe at least that part yeah just that part maybe because i know that is on disney plus um even though it's not officially canon but (laughs) either way this whole scene and just describing these witches who used to ride them through the forests and stuff Mm -hmm. what cool imagery that presents and so yeah yeah if i get anything from the show 
Boba Fett riding a Rancor will be kind it'll of bring it worth up. the it'll be worth the it'll wait. You know? Worth the wait. Um, I think you know it also is such a great moment to justify. Uh, Malakili. I didn't think they would. I didn't think we'd ever get a. I'd never understand why Mal- Malakili was so sad when Luke killed that Rancor in Jedi. But clearly, he had a huge bond with this emotionally complex creature. Maybe it was the first person to imprint, right? And that's good. I, I like know, that man. justification right? there for the the big sobbing scene. <laughs> for the weird little on. yeah, because that really did feel out of place for it. For that movie. Um, At least Danny Trejo's wearing more clothes than that guy. You know, <laughs> sure. It's a yes. dangerous line of work. You should be properly but suited if, up. Sure. But if anyone's not going to wear more clothes, Danny Trejo, I think, could get away with it more than more than Malakili. <laughs> no offense to Malakili. Listen, I'm allowed to say that. Um, yeah, the big guy but, club. Uh, we're allowed to big say Big guy it. club. We're in, the, we're in the big guy club. Uh, it's like Watch Club, but better. Um, <laughs> it also makes total sense for Boba Fett to connect so deeply with the calf because he himself is alone without his father, right? So he probably sees himself in this in this calf. I will say the only aspect to this that felt a little bit like they were retreading is the aspect of like Mando seeing himself in Grogu. You know what I mean? It's like uh, I don't it's it's another Mandalorian feeling for a little creature, well, not a, a big creature, but a littler version of that creature. Um it'll be interesting to see where they take it. I, it again, as long as it results in him riding a badass Rancor yeah, I, with a, you know. I'll be okay if we see a couple training montages or moments down in the pit where he's yeah. he's becoming very, you know, familiarized with them and and they sh- form a bond, but we still also need to see this thing be a bloody Rancor and sure. rip some people apart. Just make that the the cold opener for for the next episode of him practicing and then never again and then just back to he just knows how to ride it. Um, I I I you know our uh, our lovely Jawa Justin uh, is not on this episode, but he was saying he can't wait for the Funko Pop Kevin the the big one with with him riding on it like that's um, gonna be sign me up phenomenal. Um, so Boba and Fennec show up to the mayor's office with the Breakfast Club kids on their Power Ranger mopeds. Uh, and after being rejected by the Major Domo yet again, they break into the office to see that he isn't there. So they chase down the Major Domo and all the cyborg kids go after them and they use their go-go feet and their their their, their wrist torches and stuff like that. And after he finally spins out comedically into a batch of Melu run fruit, uh, you know, in what feels like kind of like a, a Scooby-Doo moment, like, oh, these darn kids. And then he just admits that the mayor is working with the Pikes when he probably didn't have to say that. I Before we get to the reveal and, and kind of the ending of the episode, it just, were you a big fan of this this chase sequence, or we, you know, obviously we love the train sequence what in the in the episode two compared to that train sequence. <laughs> right? This felt like a completely different level of show of of budget of, yeah. of action sequence planning. I mean, it doesn't help that it felt like they were going about twelve miles an hour on these little colorful mopeds. I mean, oh my gosh, what, wh- who in Star Wars, other than you know, really rich, powerful people who are on Coruscant and stuff, are flying around in these flashy cars? We're on. Tatooine. Yeah. They, they could have just been on gray, rusted, you know, little bikes and stuff, and it would have just, that would have made a huge difference in this scene. It just all felt really campy and cheesy in all the wrong ways. And it doesn't really make any sense because these things look expensive. You hear the guy, the one guy with the eye, be like, I paid a lot for this eye. I'm proud of it. And it's like, but you were stealing water because you couldn't afford it. So what? 
and you live on Tatooine in the workers' district. Like, I, it just feels so out of place, but not for the reasons that we've been sort of complaining about, like David Pesquizzi's, you know, the the major domo uh, guy. It, it just it feels out of place because it it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to the characters and what we thought we knew about them, that they were these poor kids living on the streets and fighting just for food and water. Yeah, it it doesn't make sense. And that could have all easily been avoided if they didn't have such flashy bikes and flashy droid technology. Like if these things were ripped off of old droids and and stuff and they had pieced together their own spear bikes and stuff, it just would have really lent itself to giving these characters a bit more understanding instead of, like you said, it's such a good point. It just doesn't make any sense at all. No. And it it felt at times almost like cartoonish, right? Like I I brought up the idea of the Scooby-Doo aspect, but like even to the point where he, oh no, I'm crashing through a painting. And it's like, cool, that's a a Ralph McQuarrie piece of concept art that they actually digitally removed Luke from, obviously, because that wouldn't make as much sense for people to have that. I thought that had to be something. So that's but, cool. But at the but. same, that's cool. But at the same time, like to to make this chase so slow, so you could show that you could show the droid, you know, the 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 astromech droid uh, from from a New Hope. You could show, you know, like it doesn't matter. We that's not. I would so much more rather an action sequence with maybe one of those little cameos than a whole bunch of them. And and Justin, you know, we were talking about this offline, and he said, you know, no offense to people that love those movies, but it felt Spy Kids. It felt like Spy Kids, oh, and it shouldn't feel like Spy Kids in Star Wars. But I mean, this is just, I don't really like Robert Rodriguez. I don't really <laughs> respect him that much as oh, a director, no. sure, especially because of things like Spy Kids, you know? <laughs> and he didn't just make one. He made three of those suckers, sure. you know? The original Spy Kids is fine. Okay. It's fine. Okay, but then he but did, the, like, what? Didn't he do Shark Girl and Lava Girl yeah, or Shark no, Boy and stuff? Like, we won't he, talk about all that. I mean, I yeah. could go into why I just, you know, other than Sin City, I don't think I've ever truly enjoyed a movie the guy's made. He's done, yeah. And so and so the fact that his two episodes are so much further down in, in rankings uh, out mm-hmm. of the three episodes, it just I just don't think he's bringing enough to this. And so I don't know why he was given so much clout on this show when... If that's what he's bringing to it, he's bringing the product down. I mean, the episode he did of The Mandalorian, I think, was was fantastic. It's terrific. And it just feels like this is quite a departure from that because I think there's a little more leeway given and a little less sort of, uh, I, I, you know, it feels like Filoni and Favreau might be a little less involved, in at least in this episode. Um, so then we get the confirmation that, yes, the Pikes have landed in Mos Espa. Uh, they brought a small army with them, and this information is brought to Boba and Fennec by the uh, the the proud Cyclops cyborg. Uh, and Fennec says, uh, "These are just the first wave, and they're going to war." And Boba responds with saying, "Then we will be ready." Uh, so, you know, for our final question, uh, we're actually going to go to our prediction segments, uh, which is the first time we're doing our prediction segment, uh, which we're calling "Spill That Boba Tea." Um, so where we spill the tea and give you our thoughts on what we think we could see next from this show in the Star Wars universe uh, and in this this series. Um, so the question I have for for you, Kevin, is what do you think the Pikes could possibly want? We know they're we know they're drug runners. We know they're well spice runners. That's what Star Wars calls drugs. Uh, what do you think they want on Mos Espa? I think they want complete control. They don't need anybody getting in their way. They want to be able yeah. to run their their freight trains through the deserts and 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 sell their products wherever they damn well please. And so, mm. if somebody 
you know, I'm sure in the past they would just pay off a guy like Jabba and, and he wouldn't have any moral issues with it. But clearly Boba is very against uh, that practice. And so I think, yeah, he's he stands in their way of, of that kind of control that they like on these Outer Rim planets. And so, um, you know, I just hope that this means that we're getting, uh, you know, an actual war and, and Boba realizes it's time to suit up and, and become a bit more of a, a, a bounty hunter-esque Mandalorian and, and it's time to fight. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I, I, I am hoping that we get to see sort of um, an aspect of all the crime Lords sort of coming together, um, having an understanding that no, 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 we cannot be divided on this. If we don't, if we don't work together, we'll lose our home. And, and to sort of see Mos Espa that's, that goes from being this sort of seedy, gross place, similar to Mos Eisley to becoming um, more of a, a, a collective and I think they have the opportunity for Boba to kind of become the the leader that leads all of these people forward and I think that would be really really uh, kind of a, a well done way to do it I hope that's the, the direction they go absolutely or you know the the other syndicates and crime lords and everything are gonna you know go against Boba because of the the threat of the pikes and Boba's right. gonna need to use more um you know um native to Tatooine sources like the Tuskins. Sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe a, a larger faction of street kids on fancy mopeds, who knows? <laughs> right. Yeah. Get um, all the fancy mopeds. But more specifically, a big, bad, rip your head off rancor. Let's go. Let's go. Um, I do think, honestly, my, my only theory, if I'm to spill the tea specifically is I think it would be really cool to see if the huts and Crimson Dawn are playing all of them. I think it would be really awesome to sort of see Kira show up and sort of be this almost like a Palpatine manipulator in a way, right? And and to sort of um, mirror uh, that aspect of Star Wars where we get to see this single force that is is taking out the pikes and literally taking over the spice mining operations across the galaxy, I think would be phenomenal. Because I don't think, I think obviously if you're fans of the animated series, you know you know a lot about the Pikes, but if you're not, you don't. And I think they could get away with satisfying both people who are newly introduced to the Pikes and people who have been fans of them for a long time with this really sort of mass genocide of that species, I think would be insane. And it, it would add a level of darkness to to Kira and to Crimson Dawn uh, in live action and really be a great kickoff for them as a, a threat because I think we're going to have them and I think we're going to have Thrawn as the big bads for our sort of Mando Ahsoka series going forward. Okay, sweet. Yeah. So this is all just setting up for that, which is 100%. which I'm I'm absolutely down for. And I mean, I do think um, uh, in last week's ep, uh, uh, Watch Club, I did mention the possibility of maybe Kira and, and, yeah. and Crimson Dawn. And, and I think uh, Jawa Justin sort of scoffed at that because she'd be too <laughs> old. And I mean, really, it's only about... 30 years after the events sure. of Solo. So all you have yeah. to do is age her up a bit. And again, yeah. that 30 years, we don't need to know, see what happened. Just know that yeah. she's really sunk in into the role and, and taken over. And she's a big, bad, evil person. And that would not only help this series, I think, but also help the events of Solo to to see her and, and Han sort of go their separate ways, how impactful that ends up being even 30 years later. It'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of ways that they can tie in cuz cuz Boba is is again throughout the animated series and and in in different ways he's connected to a lot of what we love in Star Wars and I think the more that we can sort of 
tie those things together with whoever is still alive uh, would be really cool. So um, let's get to our final thoughts and score for this episode, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five bright, shiny mopeds. Um, Kevin. I'll let you kick us off, my guy. Uh, just the scoring system alone makes me want to give it a one. Uh, <laughs> no. um, certain elements of the episode worked um, a lot better than uh, other elements for me. Um, I think yeah. that moped scene at the end really dragged things down, really brought the show to a level I, I didn't want to see it at. Um, but I do think that events that they're setting up in this episode have me looking forward to what's next despite what we saw here. And I think that's a positive coming out of this, if anything. If this is sort of the low point of the show and and things kick it up to a different notch going forward, I'll be okay. So again, the the, the introduction of that Rancor, I just think is so cool and it's, and it's the right kind of fan service, at least for me, that it brings the score up not much. I'm going to give this one a 2.9 out of 5 bright, shiny <laughs> mopeds. Really low, lowest score I hope I give this show or any other Disney Plus show. For sure. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'll mirror that. I think there is a bunch of stuff, a bunch of little, little details that we brought up that I really liked in this episode. And there's a lot of really weird narrative and aesthetic decisions in this episode that really didn't work for me. Um, I enjoyed the idea of Boba Fett hiring his own gang, but these weird shiny bike riding hipsters didn't really jive with me. I, I just feel like the idea of a cyborg you know, but maybe they could have. I, I like that idea because, again, it, cyborgs. We need to maybe normalize those a little bit more in Star Wars. But I think they could have just done. Maybe it was just the girl. Maybe just the main girl. She's there. To your point, maybe she doesn't have shiny augmentations. She doesn't have a shiny bike. She's like a street rat. I think would make her so much more endearing and really kick off if she is Arden Lynn, uh, that character. I think oh yeah, really cool. like these these kids with with tattered clothing and and a full just droid arm it, it doesn't it's not a fancy weapon and, and, a, and <laughs> yeah. a jet propulsion system it's just yeah. parts to make them feel less human and that would be a question that we'd have to ask about why but now it's it's clearly they're just upgrading their their you know they're they're getting all the fancy specs on their their gadgets and stuff and that's just not star wars especially not on tatooine no, and I think I think you know seeing Black Chrysanthemum, you know, doing the attack was awesome. His ferocity was incredible, and then he's he just runs off. And and I mean, if they if if this is just a way to bring him back, I like it. But it does feel like it is a bit more of a forced triumphant return, right? Like they're like, well, in order to have his triumphant return, he needs to be he needs to go away. So we need to, and it just it was too too cheap. It was too easy. See, but I I I, I would be okay with the idea that this this guy who's generally just whoever pays the most, he'll work for them. If now maybe he goes and he joins that sort of small sure. group that Boba has around him as another muscle, you know, a different kind yeah. of force to Fennec. I just think that, that that's a cool trio going forward if that's what they're mm. going for. He realizes that he should stop working for scug holes as uh, as Boba Fett puts exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um and then I think my biggest issue again, uh, well, second biggest was killing off those Tuscans. I think as I said it felt it felt rushed, it felt unnecessary, and I feel like even if they even if they do show us, I don't think they will, but even if they do show us the sort of the, the direct character growth that Boba experiences from their death, I don't think they needed to kill them all to achieve it. And I really hope they didn't kill them all. Um, I think it was it feels like a way to speed up the flashback storyline and get that over with. And again, I wanted it done, but not that, not like that. Um, it just felt sloppy. Um, 
and I, I hope the next episodes prove me wrong, but this one, again, I was just hoping for that hook. I was hoping for that episode three hook, I guess, that that would have come at the end of the episode that, you know, with, with the army of the pikes, but it, it just wasn't enough. There wasn't enough there. If it was like, if the pikes walked down and we saw like a hooded figure even, that would be enough. You know what I mean? I don't need a Grogu level reveal here. Just give me something tantalizing more than just, then we'll be ready. It's, it just doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't play as well. So overall, I'm holding out hope that we do get to see Boba Fett riding a Rancor and kicking ass alongside Fennec at the end of this series. So um, I'm going to give this a very meh three bright, shiny mopeds out of five. Um, all right. Well, uh, anything else you want to say about the episode, Kevin? No, I think we've I think we've poo pooed on it enough, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, we're able to come back next week um, with a, a bigger army ourselves, yes. and we'll have a lot more positive things to say because the episode is just going to blow us away. That's what I'm I hoping. hope so. I hope so. I hope it's not uh, poodoo, as they say in this series. Uh, well, Dank Farrick, that is it for this week's episode of Watch Club. We hope you enjoyed it, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, let me shoot this uh, over to our, our resident Clatoonian, Kevin Hudson, to tell you how you can reach us. You can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. And in case, uh, you know, you like your uh, bright, shiny mopeds instead of your old, dingy land speeders, you can also <laughs> reach us on Twitter at GeekcentricYT and on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our spoiler-filled review and reaction for Spider-Man No Way Home. And I am excited uh, to, to tell you that if you haven't already tuned into it, our weekly episodes are back. You can look forward to our weekly news and trailer breakdowns every Wednesday with This Week in Geek, uh, where we'll keep you informed with all the geeky goodness that you might have missed. Uh, Kevin... Thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. It was a pleasure. Right. You know, I had more fun doing this than watching that episode, so thank oh, you. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. <laughs> well, as we say, don't, don't fret, fret, Boba Fett. Fett.